Thanks for choosing this podcast to listen to Professor Tim Corbill. He's a Canadian health policy professor with two best-selling books under his belt. We'll talk about genetic testing, stem cells, PRP, and touch on strange diets. Let's begin with genetic testing, Tim. Is that the way to guide healthcare? I, well, as your audience knows, uh, the answer is kind of no, it's not. Uh, but it's fascinating to me uh, as a science policy, health policy guy, because the idea of genetic testing, the idea that we can use genetic testing to somehow personalize our fitness, personalize our, our workout, personalize our diet, is being pushed on so many levels. You're seeing it a lot in pop culture, and that's one of the reasons that we're interested in, in it here. You're seeing a growing number of direct-to-consumer companies emerging. There's some that are quite well-known. DNA Fit is one of them, for example. Um, You hear it, you see it on, uh, you hear your athletes actually talking about it, and it's being represented to the public in a very uncritical manner. And one of the things that I find fascinating about it is the idea that this information will cause people to exercise more, that will cause people to exercise in a way that's going to be beneficial. And, and I think the problem is that that's not true on two levels. <laughs> you know, on two levels. One, uh, all of the existing evidence suggests that people do not adjust their, uh, their workouts accordingly. And it does not promote more exercise in the general public. Um, there have been a lot of interesting studies on there. There's a great systematic review that came out of Cambridge uh, last year. Uh, there was another recent study that came out just a couple of weeks ago talking about how this personalized uh, information, and this is personalized more generally, uh, doesn't increase uh, physical activity. So there's been study after study that's demonstrated that. So I think that that, you know, <laughs> that is one of the problems with this message. And the second one, you know, and you and I have talked about this before, Uh, is the science isn't there yet. You know, I think everyone agrees, all your listeners will agree that, you know, genetics are important. They clearly play a role. Uh, But these products and and this kind of testing just really isn't to the point where it's going to have any kind of clinical benefit. It really isn't going to to matter. So, uh, and I'm I'm worried about this messaging on a sort of a health policy perspective because I think it kind of confuses things for the public, you know, takes away that simple message of, you know, be active, do something that you love. Uh, and I think it also can be uh, confusing for the, you know, the competitive athletes. So uh, I find I find this push towards personalized fitness, personalized health problematic on a number of levels. Can genetic testing identify the sport a kid should be training for? Um, you know, that's an interesting question because, again, there's absolutely no doubt that genetics play an important role. You know, this is something you and I, I think, have talked about over over a coffee before. Um, you know, clearly genetics play a role. You look at a sport like uh, track and field, which I love. It's one of my favorite favorite sports. You know, genetics a huge, huge uh, factor in performance. You know, Usain Bolt's obviously got the genetic package, right? But but the problem with the testing is this tension between genotype and phenotype. Um, you know, does testing someone genetically is that really going to be a more effective way to identify that talent as compared to asking a six-year-old to run 50 meters? You know, that's going to be a way more predictive test, right? Because you're it's that's the phenotype. If you want to know how fast a kid is, have a kid run. And I don't think uh, we are going to, at least in the near future, be able to use genetic um, 
information to give you anything more powerful than that. You know, have them do a standing long jump, you know, have them do those kinds of performance related tests. It's going to be way more predictive. Uh, and as you know, and as every, all your listeners know, um, you know, th these are really complex human traits and it's going to be very, very difficult to develop a genetic test that's going to, you know, give us, I think, meaningful information. And I know you're a fan of David Epstein's book, The Sports Gene, and we'll alert the listener to that as well. But while we're on new science, what about stem cells in sports medicine? Well, and stem cells is another exciting area uh, of research. And in fact, this is a field, you know, I've been really involved in this community since the late 90s. So I'm feeling kind of old. I've been following the science closely. Uh, and I'm a believer. I, I think that there's exciting, really exciting research that's being done, but once again, I think it's being represented in the pop in popular culture um, in a way that exaggerates what the benefits are right now, right? What we can do with this science right now, uh, and it's increasingly moving into the into the sports sphere. Again, you see a lot of representations. We've actually studied this here. Um, a lot of representations in, in popular culture of well-known athletes getting stem cell. Uh, therapies, allegedly getting stem cell therapies uh, for sports inj injuries. And, and one of the reasons I think this is really important for this community is when it's portrayed in the context of sports, when stem cells are, are portrayed in the context of sports, it's almost always portrayed in uh, an uncritical manner. So you'll have Nadal, you know, the tennis player, getting uh, stem cell therapies on his back, and it's reported everywhere in an uncritical manner as if it's efficacious. Uh, you have, you know, lots of NFL players allegedly getting stem cell treatments, and it's always presented as cutting edge, etc. So I, we find it problematic here at the Health Law Institute because uh, I, we think this really drives the market for these unproven therapies. Uh, and so I think that the science-informed community, you know, many of your listeners can play a big role in, you know, getting the message out about what the science really says. And this, what the science says is this is exciting research, but right now it's still research and most of this stuff isn't ready for prime time. Would you say PRP, platelet-rich plasma, is in a similar category? Yeah, and PRP is a uh, another fascinating example. It's closely related to to um, stem cell. I don't know if you've noticed this. There often it'll be a P, it'll be a PRP therapy, and the the website or the marketing material will always throw in the phrase stem cells just to make it sound like it's you know a little bit sexier product. Um, but PRP again, you know, as you know, um, uh, the data on its whether it's effective or not for sports injury is very thin. Again, evolving. Um, I'm very skeptical that it's going to uh, play out in a way that, uh, as, as promised. Um, uh, the clinical research is going on. But right now, I, I am not convinced that the data suggests it's, it's really helpful for really almost anything, uh, particularly long term. Um, and, uh, but still, it's being marketed. And you're hearing, uh, again, athletes be using it all the time. We, we have a study going on right now, right now, where we're looking at how PRP is being portrayed in the popular press as compared to, um, as compared to uh, how it's portrayed in the academic literature, uh, and this is very preliminary. In fact, the manuscript sitting on my um, on my laptop right now. Uh, but but uh, no surprise, uh, particularly in the realm of sports, it's portrayed uh, as if it's ready for prime time, as if it's efficacious. And as you know, that's not really the case right now. There's marketing for PRP in the penis and vagina. Does that work? Yeah, the O-shot. That's right, the O-shot. 
Yeah, no, there's no evidence to support the idea that you should be injecting your genitals uh, with PRP. Um, uh, but that, you know, that is, uh, that's the kind of stuff that you're seeing out there. Uh, and, and it's interesting because it's tied to this, this phenomenon of predatory journals. You know, I've got into a social media discussion with one of the, uh, with a physician, uh, Jen Gunter, the, the terrific gynecologist from California, was part of this discussion. And, and we, uh, Jen and I were holding this guy uh, to task saying, you know, where's the evidence? And what they do is they point to publications in predatory journals. That, so it really shows how the literature can become very confused. Uh, it can be really difficult to tease out what the science actually says. So, you know, I think the bottom line is be skeptical. And I, and I hope, you know, your, your community, the people that listen to your, your uh, podcast can, can really help with this discussion. That flows into your best-selling book, Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? When Celebrity, Culture and Science Clash. Tim, sports people are part of celebrity culture. What are some messages for our listeners on this? Um. I, I think athletes are, are actually playing a bigger and bigger role in this area because you're starting to get athletes, and what, a really good example of it is my my hero, <laughs> my hero, and actually this is really relevant because he's playing soon, Tom Brady. Uh, so what they're doing is they're using their brands to market stuff that doesn't work at all, you know. And Tom Brady's using strategies that are very similar to Gwyneth's. He's got this brand, and he's trying to sell, you know, this lifestyle. Um, and, and one of the reasons I think athletes are, are more, can potentially be even more problematic is that they're this powerful, powerful anecdote, right? You know, you look at a guy like Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, good looking guy, <laughs> looks like he's got it made. So when he tells you that I, this is all because I eat this ridiculous, uh, unproven diet and, and use these ridiculous, unproven fitness strategies, people tend to listen, right? And that kind of powerful anecdote can outweigh what the data uh, tells us. And as you know, there's research that says that that's exactly what happens. You know, a really powerful anecdote, a really powerful narrative, like the Tom Brady story, is going to outweigh a systematic review uh, in the Cochrane, uh, Cochrane uh, systematic review that tells us that, um, you know, this alkaline diet, which is the kind of diet that Brady pushes, it has no evidence to support it. Uh, so I think that, you know, there's absolutely no doubt that celebrity culture has an impact on, on how people think about health and the kind of strategies they adopt. Uh, and unfortunately, um, it's really difficult to change people's mind with evidence alone. And, and one really good example, it's a Gwyneth example, is her recent, you know, this is over the past couple of weeks, she's been pushing this idea that women should put jade eggs in their vagina as a way of detoxifying their, their body and all these other alleged health benefits. So jade eggs in the vagina. Uh, and it was fascinating because she made that recommendation and within days there was a wonderful pushback uh, in the popular press and the Washington Post and Jen Gunter, again, you, you mentioned her, had a great uh, op-ed saying how ridiculous this is. And, but despite all that pushback in the popular press, those eggs sold out, right? So it's, you know, it's, it is kind of depressing, but I like to believe that, that science will eventually win. So we all need to speak up. We all need to say, uh, you know, be part of the conversation and really point out what the evidence says. As we come to a close, I know you have six key, fairly simple messages. Yeah, and I know that all of your listeners know these six things, and it's a point I often make, as, as you know, um, uh, one of the horrible things about popular culture is it confuses the message. It, it makes it sound like being he healthy 
and trying to have a healthy lifestyle is complicated and it's not right it's not it's it's you don't smoke you get exercise real exercise you live an active lifestyle you eat real food there's no magic there right you try to maintain a healthy weight you uh, you know weight maintenance uh, you take preventative strategies you know you wear a seatbelt you get vaccinated and you sleep <laughs> that's really it that's really it yes you should have great relationships you should, you should love somebody but there there is no magic no matter how badly celebrity culture uh, wants to think that there is. Let's leave it there. And thanks so much for chatting, Tim. I'd love to get you back in the future. Thanks so much. Really, really appreciate the opportunity. That was Professor Tim Caulfield from the University of Alberta. His two best-selling great reads, really, are The Cure for Everything and Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? I hope you get a chance to implement those six principles and appreciate your choosing this BJSM podcast. 